email isn't going to be too frequent if it's the right type of email targeting the right person. Um, I remember back maybe 10 years ago or so, everyone wanted to receive a, an email from Groupon once a day, every single day, because it was something that they actually wanted. Um, so if it's something that, that they re- really desire and it's your target market, then I, I guess your argument would be don't worry about frequency. Definitely. And the more personalised, that's the thing in this day and age, we, we don't mind all the different communications we're getting if they're relevant to us. The Strategic Marketing Show is brought to you by Insights for Professionals, providing access to the latest industry insights from trusted brands, all in a customised, tailored experience. Find out more over at insightsforprofessionals.com. Hey, it's David. How much do you know about which lead or inquiry led to a purchase? And are you able to tell which steps were key along the way? That's what we're talking about today with a lady who last year was named in the BEMA 100, a list of the top 100 people shaping the future of the digital industry. For the last 12 years, she's been helping global brands and e-commerce businesses to unleash their digital marketing potential through her own agency, Reflect Digital. A warm welcome to the Strategic Marketing Show, Becky Sims. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. Very happy to be here. Thanks so much for coming on, Becky. We can find Becky over at reflectdigital.co.uk. So, Becky, why is the customer journey key? I just think, to me, it's the bedrock of a strategy. If you don't understand why your customers arrive at your door, how they arrive at your door, and how they go through that journey you're kind of blind to knowing what dials you've really got control over and how you can really help shape that and ensure that you're finding the right people that are best suited to your brand, your business, um, and how you can take them on that best journey. So yeah, for me, without this, you're kind of, all of your other efforts are held back. You're missing something. So so why do many, maybe marketing directors, top level marketers, perhaps not put enough emphasis on this? Is that because it's difficult to extrapolate the bottom line from the the customer journey itself? I think it's partly that, but I think it's also just, it's quite difficult to do. Um, So by being here today, I'm also not saying that I've 100% cracked it and that for everyone, I can always, we can always find it all because (laughs) it is really difficult. The customer journey is a journey for everyone. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it really is though, because it is, it's not, it's not a simple, just quickly do these things and you definitely know everything. Um, but there's bits that you can do and there's processes that we've built up on how we go about finding out and understanding enough. And then it's continual test and learn. But interestingly, there was some data last year. I think e-consultancy did some research with CMOs. And when they asked CMOs what their big top three priorities going forward, it was data for data-driven decision-making, which plays into the customer journey. It was then the customer journey itself. So actually CMOs were saying that this was on top. And then thirdly, it was um, being able to think about how to best maximize budgets, which also plays into customer journey. Because if you really understand that customer journey, you can stop wasting effort in places that are maybe less important and put more effort into places that are more important. Um, But all the while you don't know that, you're kind of just guessing and feeling the pressure to be everywhere for everyone all the time, which obviously isn't, uh, isn't the best idea. So are there standard elements to most customer journeys? I'd say so. Like for us, the number one thing is, first of all, understanding who your customer is. And that's not just demographically. Like demographics 
oh, there are, we all can argue about this. When you get handed that persona that says it's, uh, it's women that are between 30 and 40 and they earn this much money and you're like, cool, what do, what do I do with that? It's not that, that. Some of that can be a bit useful for some targeting, but it's the deeper level. Like what motivates someone to buy your product or your service? What motivates them? What triggers them initially? And then what's important to them throughout the journey? Because once you so once you really start to understand that, you start to put a more human level on it. I think um, we're in this trap in digital that we've got so much data and so many numbers that we sometimes forget that behind all of those numbers are actual real human beings like you and I that are motivated to do things for, for different reasons. And it's uncovering that, first of all, that starts to understand intent, their intent, but also helps you start to understand what your intent should be of when you're engaging with your audience, what are you actually hoping to achieve with them? What are you wanting them to feel? What's going to help them on that journey? So that's kind of, for us, it's always the standard starting point. Um, and we've got a behavioral scientist in our team. So she applies that behavioral thinking to it as well. So we can start to understand how we might nudge behavior, um, how we can chunk information in certain ways, etc. So do you try to map those feelings and that behaviour to perhaps more traditional stages of the customer journey, awareness, consideration, purchase, retention, advocacy, um, something like that? Exactly, exactly. We we almost end up with kind of three three versions of the funnel that come together. So you've got your traditional that you understand already that marketers are using. I then talk about like the digital funnel. So as you start to build up this research, partly around the audience, but also then you're getting your deep channel research, you're looking in analytics, you're using all the different tools at our disposal. And there's lots of different tools we'll use to start to understand keyword volumes, understand social behaviors, social listening, etc. Pulling all that together, you start to understand what channels play best when people are at awareness, what, where are they going to ask these big questions, etc. Um, and what do they do in consideration? Um, and you start to map that. But then alongside it, you need to start to think, well, so for example, if you're a big brand selling, I don't know, uh, cars or something, something that's not an overnight purchase, you don't go, oh, I'm going to buy a new car and buy it tomorrow. Then actually that awareness stage, one of the most important things you need to think about with your audience there is memorability. Because at the point that they're starting to do their research, this could be three months, four months, a year. I know my husband, the second he's bought a new car, he's back looking again, thinking <laughs> what will the next one be? So it could be a long period of time. So actually memorability is absolutely key because at that point we want to be building the memories so that when they move down the funnel and as they start to get ready, they remember your brand. So then we say to, from a psychology point of view, how do we build memories? And we start to look at things like being a bit disruptive, making people think something, feel something. All the while, if people can just scroll past it, you're never going to remember what you saw. But if you make people feel something, and that could be making them laugh, making them smile, making them cry. I don't know, you probably don't want to make them cry, but <laughs> any kind of emotion, we're going to remember it. Um, crying with laughter maybe would be a good one. But that's that's how we start to create memories. And there's other ways, like, I mean, there's probably, we could talk for hours and make, I'm probably not the person to do it. Our behavioral strategists would be on memory formation. But it's almost like starting to think, well, actually, if that's the key motivator, how do we layer that into the type of content we're creating that helps in that awareness stage so that we are helping create memories so that we know as they're further down the funnel will be the brand that's sticking in their mind? 
I love that word memorability. That's um, that's a great way of actually thinking about actually how to stay top of mind um, with your target customer. Uh, you talked about building memories and the importance of emotion as well. How do you measure all of that? Can you actually use a metric to measure that? I guess, I suppose you layer it in because so once, so say, say you've at that point, you've decided for awareness, we need to create memories and therefore we're going to start to test being a bit more disruptive with our ads, being a bit more out there. I don't know, being, trying to make people feel something. Then you'd start to look at ways that you might measure engagement on click-through rate. Maybe, maybe that makes a difference. So maybe if they're visual ads, has it improved click-through rate? Are we driving more people? And I suppose you'd then start to look at returning visitor rate if you were expecting that to happen within a reasonable cycle. It depends on what you're expecting. But I suppose you've always got to start to break it down, but it's always in context. So I feel like I recently did a talk around this and I was like, I'm giving you all a lot of homework because I can't give you all the answers because actually it's in the context of your exact brand with exactly what it is that you're trying to do and how you're going to do it. But then you just need to start to think, how can I measure it? Because you can't measure specifically, did we become more memorable? That's uh, it's going to be a really hard thing to do. But there are things that you can start to measure to say, do we feel this is performing better than it was before? And is it starting to achieve what we're hoping to achieve? Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I, I think it's more of a struggle for brands with longer sales cycles. Uh, if you've got a sales cycle over a year plus, um, it's really hard uh, or nearly impossible, I guess, to actually measure every single touch point digitally and ensure you've tracked the right person at the, at the, at the right point and whether they've logged in or used a different type of software as well. I guess that, that, that's why it's also key to maybe ask each customer at the point of purchase where they actually uh, heard about um, that particular brand, but also perhaps actually what influenced them to make the decisions. Is that something that you would advise? The difficulty with that is as humans, we're really rubbish at knowing why we do what we do. So when we think of behavioral science, uh, a lot of what the science has proved is that we're really irrational and we're super emotional and actually a lot of what we do is emotion based and actually if I if you ask someone why did you do that or what made you do this we almost just start to make up a little story in our heads and we post rationalize and we go oh I think it was this 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 and this or maybe you've seen a testimonial uh, recently and you think oh, actually that was probably me as well yeah, so it's hard to get, it's, which is why a lot of the time, so as we're doing our research for thinking about customer journey, the, the beauty of what our behavioral person brings to the table is crafting questions where we're not directly asking something that we know that as humans will find really difficult to answer, but we're asking it in a way that we're looking to pull out something that we can start to understand from a behavioral standpoint, what it is that the intent was there. So we're not directly asking because we know if we directly ask, they're probably going to not lie to us, but they, they don't know. We can't explain it. it. Kieran, our behavioural strategist, was telling me a story the other day. There was a um, study done, I can't remember the, the dates on it, but a gentleman had been in an accident and his brain had been damaged. And the part of his brain that was damaged was the part that controls emotion. And he made a recovery, but they weren't able to, to fix that part of his brain. And he was actually no longer able to make decisions or if he was something that should take a 30 second decision, something we'd just decide immediately would take half an hour, 45 minutes. And it was because what we how we make decisions is so informed by our emotions and we don't realize that we don't like to we like to think we're super rational. So, yeah, it's really 
it's super interesting because humans are, we make our own lives difficult. <laughs> so talking about behaviour then, is it important and um, almost necessary to also incorporate website behaviour software and then try and have many conversations with people at different touch points within the journey? Definitely, definitely. So we, um, within our team, we'll have a, a CRO team that are always looking at measuring how different pages are performing. And I suppose where we map out that, what's the digital funnel and actually what are, we, what are the emotions and things that we are trying to elicit at a certain time, we map the two together. So we start to think, okay, maybe, maybe it's organic search that we're aiming for awareness and we know that they're going to land on X, Y, and Z pages because that's what we're optimizing. We can then really think about how we've crafted that page, how we're trying to elicit those behaviors or those feelings from people and then measure, is that working? Where do they go next? What happens next? Also, I suppose the other key thing, um, and just to a point you made earlier of those long sales cycles is just thinking that early touch point, how quickly can we get them to sign up their data for for something? So a fun thing that we've done previously with with clients is around gamification. And that's quite disruptive and quite memorable. If we can get people to want to play something that they enjoy that's fun if you can do that in the early awareness stage of i don't know maybe it's a fun quiz to help you find your next car or something like that sticking with the the car mind we can capture their data we can get them to give it to us because they're happy to because they're going to get a little report that's going to send them your car who of the future suits you in this way because of this this and this and then once they've done that we've got them on a journey and actually we can take them all the way from awareness through to conversion if they're using the same contact details we can try and tie the two together so it's also thinking cleverly about how can we use data in a obviously a really lovely gdpr friendly way and supportive of customers needs but so it's got to be a two-way conversation you've got to make sure that whatever you're providing them with is valuable so that they want to hand over their data but making that part of the the plan and the tracking and you also like to use booking.com as a as a good example of a, of a brand that actually really does a good job of understanding the customer journey what why is that yeah i just um i feel like because it's hard it's a hard question and you asked me the question you said who's doing it well and I do you know that it, I racked my brains for a little while because I was like there's some brands that do bits well and then they lose you but actually I think booking.com but I guess the the trick is that they have you signed up as soon as you become a customer and I book quite regularly with them but I think they really tie up their tracking brilliantly so the amount of times like I'm a holiday daydreamer I love holidays so I can easily find myself going and just having a little nose and going oh if we went there where might we stay so then they've got me they've trapped me they know it's me they know I've gone and looked at Santorini and then the ads that I'm seeing are Santorini the follow-up emails I'm seeing are Santorini and they're really tying together what it is that I've looked at and it it feels to me and we don't work with booking.com so I don't know what's going on under the hood but it feels to me that they are really thinking about behavior and knowing trigger points of of what drives me because I'm a, a a customer that's bought multiple times and if they're not doing that it comes across well either way um but i just think they've tied that together because they also and, and they've got the beauty of it in their brand that once they've got the sale there's also more things add-ons they can continue to sell but they actually manage that really well as well so once you've purchased the follow-up email communications that getting excited about your holiday etc so i think email is tends to be the It's almost like the ninja in customer journey. Like if you can get an email address, it's the bit that helps you knit the channels together even better. Yes, that's the clue, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
definitely. So um, it certainly sounds like um, what they're doing is they're using customer journey uh, to better understand behavior and then using that to build a more cohesive cross-channel strategy that, um, as you say, has email at the heart of it, but can also then pinpoint people in different places. I mean, do booking.com, as far as you're aware, also use perhaps retargeting or other forms of um, advertising um, to, to better reach people at the right time? Definitely. Yeah. The remarketing ads that I see from them are always very super personal to what I've been looking at. They're very aligned. They're very, uh, make me book now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's always a lovely thing, isn't it? When you're selling holidays, it's uh, it's a fun purchase. So, and that's again, where context comes into this, because it does depend what you're selling and what your business is about as to what tools and tricks are going to work best for you in trying to draw out that customer journey and trying to knit everything together. Because, they have something that I'm never going to complain that I've received one of their emails because I just think, oh, you're just making me think of a wonderful holiday and a moment of bliss. It's um, it's not intrusive to my day, really. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's a great point that um, email isn't going to be too frequent if it's the right type of email targeting the right person. Um, I remember back maybe 10 years ago or so, everyone wanted to receive a, an email from Groupon once a day, every single day, because it was something that they actually wanted. Um, so if it's something that, that they really, really desire and it's your target market, then I, I guess your argument would be don't worry about frequency. Definitely. And the more personalised, that's the thing. In this day and age, we we don't mind all the different communications we're getting if they're relevant to us. But I think, so for example, if I'm a summer holiday lover and not someone that would want to ever go skiing, if they kept emailing me about skiing, I'm going to get really annoyed with it and I'm probably going to come out of their out of their communications because it's not relevant so it just that's when knowing your customer and some of it's just super basic it's like start to build up a picture but there's nothing wrong as well like we've used behavioral surveys before to actually so we've built kind of little fun personality tests before for for clients so we've got a client that works in um, the aviation space so they train pilots so we created a survey that was around what kind of pilot are you and it was based on personas that we know of from films and things like that so it was it had a fun element but there was actually a bit of science behind it of you answering these questions that would help kind of see which type of pilot you might be it was fun and enjoyable to do it captured their data they learned something about themselves but we were learning a lot about them along the journey that then meant we layered that all into our future communications knowing how they want to be communicated to what motivates them what they're interested in etc and actually I think if you ever said to the customer that's why we did it I'm not sure anyone would mind because they've got better communications off the back of it. So building a marketing strategy typically only happens maybe once a year or just once every few months or so is it possible to actually build a customer journey, uh, understanding of a customer journey into a marketing strategy, or is a customer journey something that you need to consider on a more tactical basis? I'd say there's a there's a base basis that's there, so a baseline of the journey. So it's do, doing a research piece to really try and nail what you think it looks like, and then building your strategy off of that. But then building in test and learn, and being willing to change as you start to see results to see what works, what doesn't work, etc. Because we always have to assume that we might be wrong. Um, like data tells us one thing, but depending on how you've set up the test, it might give you a different view, etc. So it's having it there to help decide where to spend your money, where to put your efforts, where you think your customers are spending their time is great. But then te- 
test, test, test. And uh, and don't be afraid to go and test a new channel, even if you're not 100% sure, because as long as you're doing the test in the right way and it's not stopping you doing something that you know that works, it might bring something that, that you haven't experienced before or, or some extra new customers or whatever it may be. But, um, but yeah, I think it has to be there as part of building your strategy in my mind. Great. Okay. But I think what you're essentially saying is start with your customer journey, then build a marketing strategy and then hone after that. Exactly. Exactly. Superb. Okay. We're not necessarily thinking about what we've been talking about so far with um, customer journeys. What's the number one thing that marketers need to incorporate into their strategy? I do think it is audience motivation. I think if you miss that piece, you end up just doing following your own assumptions on what messaging is going to work, etc. But actually, if you really, truly understand what motivates your audience, you suddenly move away from thinking about features and benefits and all the things that you sat there in the boardroom deciding are so great about your product and service, which they probably are, and they're probably a factor in why someone buys, but it might not be the thing that tips the motivation as to what actually gets them across the line. So if you truly understand that bit, you focus on that in your messaging, then you're going to be getting much stronger results. I've been your host, David Ben. You can find Becky Sims over at reflectdigital.co.uk. Becky, thanks so much for being on this strategic marketing show. And thank you for listening. Here at IFP, our goal is simple. To connect you with the most relevant information to help solve your business problems all in one place. Insightsforprofessionals.com.